If you're in a situation right now where you are surrounded by something in your life that is causing you great fear and anxiety, then today's lesson is for you. We're in week number five of our series called In Case You Missed It. And today we're going to look at the story of Elisha and the angel army. It's all the way back in the book of 2 Kings. And we're going to learn three lessons about prayer in the midst of an impossible situation. Here's the first thing we're going to see. Prayer trains us to respond with peace instead of fear in the midst of life's trials. Let's go to the text. It's 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 14. It says, One night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city where Elisha the prophet was. And when Elisha's servant got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And the young man cried to Elisha, Oh, sir, what will we do now? Now, this king wasn't actually coming for Elisha's servant. He was coming for Elisha because Elisha was causing him troubles. So he was going to hunt down Elisha and take him captive, which is pretty scary. And we can see the response of fear in the prophet's servant. And maybe this is the guy that you can relate to in the story. But take a look at Elisha's response. He said, don't be afraid for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now we'll explain what he means by this in just a second. But first I want to put up a New Testament passage that this response reminds me of. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and the Apostle Paul says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Here's the secret that both Elisha understood and I think also that Paul, the Apostle, understood because Paul had a lot of trials in his life as well. I think that they both understood that prayer, having connection, regular connection to God, trains you to respond for those situations that come up in your life that are unpredictable. So in your life, my challenge to you as you're thinking about the battle that surrounds you is, do you look to God in prayer? For many of us, looking to God in prayer is sort of the last thing that we do. But I think for Paul, I think for Elisha, and I hope for many of us, we can make prayer just sort of the trained response that we have this connection with God on an everyday basis so that when we're faced with trials that seem impossible to us, we can respond with peace like Elisha did instead of responding with fear. You see, prayer opens our eyes to a spiritual battle that is more real than what we can physically see. That's what we learn as we read on in the story. So Elisha prayed, O Lord, open my servant's eyes and let him see. And then the Lord did. He opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, this reminds me of another passage from the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul says there, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now look, we don't see this with our physical eyes because when we look around, we're only seeing the circumstances in our temporal world. But it's pretty clear in Elisha's story that he was connected into a different reality. He understood, and how cool is this? He understood that the battle belonged to God and that the angels that were surrounding him were more numerous than the enemy and the army that had come to take him captive. And Paul says this is what happens all the time, even though we don't see it with our physical eyes. And then in Ephesians 6, Paul lists out the armor of God. These six things that we should actively put on to ready ourselves for the battle. He talks about the belt of truth. You know, that truth is the thing that holds the whole outfit together. And the body armor of righteousness that guards our heart when the enemy comes against us. And he says to put on the shoes of peace, which he says is really the readiness to share the gospel with people around us. And the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then he talks about the helmet of salvation, which he expands upon in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. He actually talks about it as the helmet of the confidence of our salvation. In other words, when we're guarding our minds, when we're thinking right about faith and life, that protects us from getting all up in our own heads when it comes to fear and anxiety. And then the last piece of armor is about going on the offense with the sword of the spirit, which Paul says is the word of God. We see that Jesus himself used the word of God when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness before he started his public ministry. Now, I know we flew through this list of the armor of God, but remember the context for all of this. Paul is talking about fighting a spiritual battle that you cannot see. And then look at what he says at the end of all of this in verse 18. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So if you've been trying to fight this impossible situation in your life without really allowing prayer to be central to the whole thing, then you're missing the point. You're not going to be able to win the battle at all. And I think that's what we're seeing in these New Testament verses. And also it's what we see in the story of Elisha and his servant. And there's one more lesson as we finish that story. Prayer, it turns out, submits us to a God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Back to the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. So it says that the Aramean army advanced toward Elisha and he prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And then he went out and he told them, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. And that's where the story takes an unexpected turn. We read in verse 21, when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? And Elisha's reply was like this, of course not. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. Now, here's what I love about this story. And it's just like God to do this. 
We expect the Aramean army to be utterly destroyed. I mean, killed to the man. A lot of times God did that sort of thing in the Old Testament. We sort of expect this to happen. It would be a great ending to this incredible lesson about prayer and spiritual warfare and how God is sovereign and all that stuff. But that's not what happens. Instead, the king of Israel feeds them. They get fat and happy and he sends them home. And that's really sort of the end of this particular story. But the point is that God can do whatever he wants. He can do it whenever he wants. He can do it however he wants because he's God and we are not. The key then is to learn to submit to God and to trust him to bring us through the situation in whichever way he wants to bring us through it. That's what Elisha did in this story. And that's what we can do today in the midst of the trouble that surrounds us.